Let me pray for us all as I begin. Father God, may these words that are preached be more your words than mine. Father, may the effort of be preaching be me, may be more in your strength than my own strength. And may those words that we need to take away be words that you have prepared for us to receive, um, and rather than the words that we think we ought to take. So I pray now, Lord, that your anointing and blessing will come on all of us now um, as we listen um, and talk about your word together. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. The Oscars this year seem to have been dominated by the film La La Land. I don't know if any of you have seen it. Um, I haven't. I tried to go and see it last Friday when it was my day off, but it wasn't on at the cinema that day. You probably heard about what happened at the Oscars a few days ago now, and La La Land won the best film for all of about two minutes um, before the mistake was announced. My point here is that when we think of the words La La Land, we are thinking of something that is perhaps a dream, perhaps not reality, perhaps something that is far removed from the reality of how our lives should be today. I've really enjoyed the sung worship so far this morning. One of the things I love about songs are the theology in them. And it should be no surprise that there are so many themes that have come together today in the preparation of the message and the choice of the songs. But one of the songs I chose to reflect on very briefly now is a song from the film La La Land. I just want to read a few words to you. Just one thing everybody wants there in the bars and through the smoke screen of the crowded restaurants, it's love. Yes, all we're looking for is love from someone else. There is some truth in the words there. We are all people that long to be loved, to be included, to live lives with meaning and purpose. If we believe the words of this song, we are all looking for love in somebody else. That's all we ever need. And when we find that somebody else, all will be well. It made me think about how often our happiness is dependent on the relationships we have with others. I, we perhaps, are people who seek affirmation and acceptance in others. We look for reassurance, perhaps sometimes in the wrong places. We look for our identity and how we define ourselves in places that are not quite right. For example, do you think about your identity by the number of friends you have on Facebook, if you use that platform for social media? Or do you use Instagram and are overjoyed at the number of likes your particular photograph has got? Or perhaps there's a temptation to play a game of comparison with those around us. Are we as popular, as wealthy, as beautiful, as fit as those we come across day to day? What I want to say to all of us today, though, is that our true identity does not rest on the things I've mentioned. 
Our true identity rests in the love of our creator and the relationship we are called to with God in Christ. It is in knowing God that we can comprehend just how infinitely loved, how special we are, how we have a creator who delights in us. These are all truths revealed in scripture. My task today I haven't found to be an easy one. It feels quite a lot of pressure because I'm introducing um, the book that we're all going to study um, during Lent, that the sermon series for the coming weeks is all based on. It's called Transformed Life. And if you haven't got it, there are copies at the back. I do encourage you to pick up one and walk through this book with us. It's based on Ephesians. And together we will look at the first three chapters, which focus on what God has done for us in Christ. And we will see that at the heart of the message, it's not just about living a moral life, obeying rules and laws, but it's about living the life that we are created to live in tune with the one who has created us. Transformed life. So for something to be transformed, I think there has got to be a sort of before and an after and something that happens in the meantime to change. Paul, the writer of Ephesians, had a dramatic conversion. You might remember he, he encountered the risen Christ on the Damascus Road. Very dramatic. And Paul went from persecuting the early church, the early followers of Christ, to himself being a disciple of Christ. A change that was so dramatic and so quick that when he wanted to meet up with some of the disciples, they were really frightened and didn't want to see him. What a transformation. And actually, our lives too, perhaps, are in need of something so dramatic, are in need of transformation of us being redeemed and restored, of bringing us back into relationship with God and with each other. In this restored relationship with God and with each other, we belong in a new eternal community called the church. From this foundation of knowing our identity in Christ we can develop a sense of belonging, a belonging to God, a belonging to each other within this new community. And we can also understand our purpose, our purpose in Christ, our purpose in life. And it's a purpose that starts now and continues into eternity. I really struggled with a passage to choose for today. I was given free reign on anything from the first three chapters and I found it really hard because Ephesians is one of my go-to books. It's something I take huge comfort in. I love most of it. Um, There's encouragement. There's beauty in how Paul writes. And when Paul writes... And this doesn't really sound like a letter that it's called. It sounds more like a sermon because Paul writes sort of enveloping worship and praise and prayer. Remember from the Gospels that everything that Jesus did was in communion with the Father. He prayed an awful lot. He went off by himself to pray. 
He took time out to be, to nurture that relationship, to hear clearly, to pay attention to God. And I think likewise, we can see this in Paul, a Paul who prays constantly for his people, for the church, for those that he is nurturing and guiding and leading in the early days of Christianity. Ephesians 1.15, for this reason Paul writes, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. When Paul prays, he overflows with thanksgiving. He teaches us, I think, that praise is a companion to prayer. Paul prays out of knowing and experiencing the wonder and wealth of all the spiritual blessings he's experienced that have been given to him by God in Christ. And Paul gives thanks for the faith of everybody, for the faith in the Lord Jesus. Perhaps the basic thing, the start that leads to all that Jesus seeks to give us, to have with us, to give for us. Faith that not only affects our personal relationships with Jesus, but also affects our relationships one with another. So, over the next weeks, we will be considering these sorts of questions. We are going to look at our identity, our sense of belonging, and our purpose in life. And I just want to now briefly touch on these three themes a little bit more. So, firstly, our identity. Who are we? Who are you? How would you answer that question? Well, the psalmists knew, if you read the psalms, they're full of knowing that relationship with God. Psalm 139, beautiful psalm of our identity, says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible tells us right from the beginning that we have been created by God in his image. Verse from Genesis, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So we were created in the image of God. We were created to live in community, in relationship with others, not isolated. And we were also created to be God's co-rulers and stewards of the earth and all that is in it. These are big, deep truths, and sometimes our condition, perhaps, means that we struggle to accept these things. So what has gone wrong? Perhaps we can't quite see what reality really is. Remember, we perhaps see dimly Everything seems to disguise to us the intentions of the creator for us. So having been made in the image of God, we can read in Genesis again that humans turned their back on God, cut God out from their life. They hid in shame. Produced more of a warped understanding of identity than the one that was God-given, God-made, God-desired. 
I was trying to think of an illustration for this, and what I came up with was thinking about of our childhood memories, those things that are in our dim and distant past, things that you might only just be able to glimpse, glimmer, have a fractional sense of what they are. Perhaps it's because these sorts of memories from long ago, from when we were very young, have been shaped more by family stories than how we remember um, we gave my parents a scanner for their golden wedding anniversary present last year. Um, I wanted my parents to be able to convert all their um, slides, or photographic slides that they needed a projector to see into digital photographs. And it wasn't many days later before my parents sent me a photograph. And it's a photograph I hadn't seen before. It was of my mother, and it was of a little girl of about the age of two um, on her lap, giggling away. I knew the photograph was taken in my grandparents' backyard. I could recognise that, and I could recognise my mother. But I had to look carefully, because that little girl was me. I couldn't remember the photograph. I can't remember the conversation or anything around that, but I know that's who I am. Our identity has been mixed and messed up. We are beautifully made. Our lives dimly reflect this at times. It's as though we can't quite at times remember our original design. And because of this, we tend to look for our security and sense of belonging in the wrong places. So how do we start to see more clearly again? Well, the words of Ephesians can help us. And um, this is a verse from Ephesians, verse 1, 11. And the words are taken from the message translation of the Bible. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Paul uses the words in Christ very, very frequently in his writing in fact, a few years ago when I was at St. Melitus, I wrote a 5,000-word essay on what in Christ meant. And I think you'll be relieved that I'm not going to tell you everything I said in that essay. What I want you to take perhaps at this point in time is that for in Christ, read perhaps being a Christian, a new way of being. It's a way of partaking in all the spiritual blessings that are given us in Jesus that believers share. For in Christ we have been rescued, we are redeemed. Christ's death has paid the price for each and every one of us. And when we come to faith in him, we are also sealed with the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit within us helps and encourages us, guides us, convicts us, tells us, reminds us that we are children of God reminds us that we are called into this relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we can share all that has been given to the Son, all he is and all he has within God. And when we grasp this in our hearts, not just our minds, we start to find our true selves as the Creator intended us to be, unique, beloved, creative we have that renewed sense of belonging with others, so called, and a new purpose in our lives. In a transformed life, something of God, something of heaven, 
something holy starts to grow and develop and change within us. It means that we can see that it is no longer the sinful desires that have power within us, but Christ's resurrection life. And that leads us into wholeness. So we have new identity in Christ. Secondly, I want to speak about our belonging in Christ. For we have a God who exists in relationship. There is relationship within the Trinity. And we have a God who has created and designed us to participate in relationship too. To share in this love of God, which is God's very nature. Love that flows and returns, gives and receives. A love that is abundant, is never ending. And all this was God's plan before the creation of the world for us to come and be in this relationship with him. I like to think of the love between the Trinity particularly as a dance, of a dance of love, of movement, of creativity, of life, enjoyed throughout eternity by Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And it is that that we are invited to join in with. So as we are called into relationship with God, we are also called into community, into the community of the church, a new family, the body of Christ. We, like Christ, are God's beloved. And in him, we also, he also delights in us. So we gather to worship together corporately. And as church, we offer praise and worship to the God who has offered love to us. For we are called to receive love and also to offer love back. Um, Another one of my favourite books in the New Testament is John. And actually I've got lots of favourite books so I don't quite know why I say it's favourite. But anyway, the end of the Gospel of John, you might recall, is the reinstatement of Peter. Jesus has asked Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter has replied three times, Yes, I love you. It's so important that we know we are loved. And it's also important that we can love in return. That we can enter into relationship. And it's from this base, the security in Christ, relationship with Christ and with each other, that we find we have the strength to serve in the way that God is asking us to. We belong into this wonderful new family, and it's a family where we're all different. Simon mentioned last week in his sermon um, that we are together in unity with difference. We're not uniform. We're not all the same. So we are included and welcomed and loved regardless of our ethnicity, our status in life, our career, our gender, our wealth. And how we relate to each other matters so much. We have a choice, friends, as to whether we build each other up or whether our words are critical and pull each other down. We are all called to remain faithful to commit to maintaining good relationships with God and with each other. 
holding fast to the word, to reading the Bible, to living a life of obedience. We have an obligation to one another, I think, to live well, to love others, to treat each other as we ourselves would like to be treated. So we've looked a bit at identity and belonging, and very briefly, the third purpose, the third theme, is purpose. What is our purpose? Well, God doesn't wait until all of our life is sorted out and we are perfect to use us. God does an immediate work in us when we come to know him, and then an ongoing work of transformation that we live and work and journey with throughout the rest of our lives. And in the transforming, in loving each other, in helping each other, and challenging each other, we grow when we are in Christ. And so together we can then have the strength to mission in this place, to serve in this place, in the ways that God is calling each of us to do. So we can say that the purpose of those in Christ is to show the love of God that we have received to the world. Showing love to the world is central to mission. To serve the world, to join in with the love that God has for the world he created. And it's for each of us individually and corporately to discern how to do that, to how to be ambassadors of God in this place so that others may come to know him too. And there's something for everybody. Everybody is included in this. Nobody is exempt. We are all given gifts to offer in his service. And the wonderful thing is it's not just about the here and now. Ephesians gives another slant on this. This is cosmic. This is eternal. All these things will continue to be fulfilled in eternity. I hope this has whetted your appetite a little for the coming weeks and what we are going to think and study together. We're going to think and study about what it means to live our lives in the light of who we are in Christ. We will explore together the implications of our identity in Christ of how we belong, of what our purpose is. These are all big things, things that we need to dwell upon and return to and cover the truth in again and again. This one sermon will not have done it, I'm sure. And it's also not just an intellectual knowing, it's a knowing within our hearts, deep down within ourselves. And I think for that to happen, for that to actually be taken and embodied within each of us, we also need to envelope, cushion, wrap ourselves in prayer as we study. So that through the Holy Spirit, we can come to inhabit and be secure of our identity in Christ, living in this glorious wonder of belonging to him and fulfilling all the purposes that he has for us. Amen.